And if you would open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. Our Scripture text will be verses 39 through 56. This passage is known as Mary's Magnificant. Uh, This passage takes place about nine months before uh, Jesus was born. Please hear the Word of God. In those days Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped within her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in in, in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for He has looked on the humble estate of His servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For He who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is His name. And His mercy is for those who fear Him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with His arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich He has sent away empty. He has helped His servant Israel in remembrance of His mercy as He spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to His offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. Let's pray. Father, as this passage looks ahead to the birth of of uh, our Savior Jesus Christ, so we too are looking ahead, not simply to His birth and to Christmas Day a couple of days from now, but rather we are looking ahead to His return in glory. We are looking forward to that day when our home will be with Him. God, I pray that You would give us such a heavenly mindset and uh, do this by filling us with Your Spirit just as You filled Elizabeth, just as You filled John the Baptist, just as You filled Mary with Your Spirit. I pray that You would fill us, that we would exalt, that we would worship, that we would praise Christ whose name is above every name. We ask in His name, Amen. I am always amazed at how many people uh, think that they have figured God out. The thinking goes something like this. Well, He's done this for me in the past, so He will always continue to do this for me. Or their thinking is like this. If I do this for God, 
well, then He will definitely do this for me in return. And what is so disturbing is how easily we treat God like a mathematical formula that can be manipulated for our own benefit. You know, I cannot tell you. Um, I, I cannot tell you much about uh, how God's going to act in any given circumstance, but I can confidently tell you two things about how He will act. First of all, God will always, always be faithful to His promises, and then secondly. God will not act like we think He will. His ways are above our ways. His ways are beyond our ability to trace out. His judgments are unsearchable. I am saying this um, because this morning we're going to see over and over again uh, that God's ways exceed our wildest imaginations. It's not that God is more creative than we are. Of course, He is more creative. But rather, the emphasis uh, that I want to lay here is that His ways exceed our wildest imagination because His ways are infinitely more glorious and wise than ours. We're going to see the glory and wisdom of God this morning from three different perspectives. Uh, We're going to see God's glory and wisdom first from the standpoint of John the Baptist and his joy, second from Elizabeth and her joy, and thirdly from Mary and and her joy. So uh, I want to set the passage in context. I want you to want to encourage you to follow along with me uh, in your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, uh, you have a pew Bible in front of you. You can find our the text on pages 855-856. In Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38, uh, we first of all see how the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary and he told her that although she was a virgin, that in her womb would be conceived a son and she was to give uh, the name of this child. She was to give him the name Jesus. Uh, This surely must have stunned Mary at the core of her being, but the next thing that she hears is even more unbelievable. Look at verses 32 and 33. The angel told her, He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to Him the throne of His father David. And He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of His kingdom there will be no end. Mary immediately knew that in her womb would be conceived the Messiah. And then, uh, well... Now, imagine if the angel Gabriel is telling you or your wife um, something like this. Well, Mary had a question or two. We don't know how many questions she had, but but Luke records one of her questions. She asked him, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel Gabriel answered her in verse 35, 
So in verse 35, He said, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And then Gabriel gave Mary a sign to help um, to help everything to begin to sink in. And the sign He gave her uh, is in verses 36 and verse 37. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has conceived a son, and this is the sixth month uh, with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And then Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. In other words, Mary believed God's Word. Mary was probably um, younger than some of the girls in our senior high youth group. She was a godly young woman and believed God's Word. Took the angel Gabriel at His Word. And it seems as if the Holy Spirit caused Jesus to be conceived in her womb immediately or certainly very soon after this conversation. So that's the context. Now we come to our text. Since the angel had told Mary about Elizabeth's pregnancy, Mary took this as a hint that maybe she should go and visit her cousin, um, her cousin Elizabeth. And at the time, Mary was living up in Nazareth. And she had to travel about 100 miles to the south uh, down to uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth's home uh, in the hill country of Judah. And apparently she made this trip. Uh, she, she made the preparations and, and, and made this trip immediately. And it was quite a meeting between this young woman and her older cousin. In fact, Elizabeth was uh, so much older that she was uh, well past the years that one would expect to be able to get pregnant. And at the time of Mary's visit, uh, she was six months along in her pregnancy. By this time, I uh, feel pretty certain that uh, that it would be evident that uh, Elizabeth was pregnant. And you know the story well enough to know uh, who she was carrying in her tummy. She was carrying uh, the person that we have come to know as John the Baptist. Who is John the Baptist? Well, at the end of John the Baptist's ministry, Jesus declared that John the Baptist was the greatest prophet of the Old Covenant. He was greater than the prophet Isaiah, greater than the prophet Jeremiah, greater than the prophet Elisha, even greater than the prophet Elijah. The greatness of John the Baptist's ministry was not in his specific accomplishments, but rather in his calling. He was the one who was set apart. He was the one who was called to announce the coming of Jesus, the Messiah. And so with this background in mind, Look at what happened when Mary arrived at Elizabeth's house. Look at verse 41. 
And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Somehow, through the illumination of the Holy Spirit, the six-month-old fetus in Elizabeth's womb knew that the Messiah had just arrived in the womb of the Virgin Mary. Elizabeth also knew this, and she was filled with the Holy Spirit. One commentator pointed out that when Mary arrived at Elizabeth's house, that the Old Covenant and the New Covenant were connected through John and through Jesus. Have you seen those commercials? I don't know if they're... I guess uh, the the new Android phones uh, and how you're able to simply, if you have an Android phone um, and your friend has the same Android phone and however you set it up, you're supposed to be able to touch the backs of them and that you're able to share picture files, music files, whatever. Um, That was what appeared in in my mind's eye when I was thinking about this uh, passage. Uh, this connection made between John the Baptist and Jesus. It was, a, it was an automatic connection. And of course, um, I, I don't think that Mary and, and Elizabeth rubbed their bellies together or anything like that to make the connection. But uh, the connection was there nonetheless. I want to make an observation about John's recognition of Jesus. John even though he was a fetus in his mother's womb, was a person with emotions. Uh, Mary says in verse 44 that when, uh, when Mary gave her greeting, that the baby in her womb leaped for joy. He recognized the presence of Jesus the Messiah and he was jumping with joy in his mother's womb. It is a national disgrace that the practice of abortion is legal in our country. The Scripture here recognizes the personhood of John the Baptist, a person with emotions even while he was in his mother's womb. There are over 1.2 million abortions performed in our country every year. That comes to about that comes to over 3,300 abortions per day. And as medical science and as ultrasound technology improve, we have even more reasons to know that a fetus in a mother's womb is a living person. But instead of curtailing abortions, it seems as if our government is trying to kickstart even more by promoting um, abortions with taxpayer monies. That will only increase the number of abortions. I remember a conversation I had with one of my cousins who's very pro-abortion. And as we were talking, he admitted that a fetus um, in in its mother's womb was indeed a living person. However, a woman's right to choose was more important than that fetus's right to life. Not only is abortion a national disgrace, or more to the point, it's a national evil, but it undermines the whole moral foundation of our culture. When you lose respect for human life, 
what can you really consider immoral? I know it is a touchy subject. And I know in our culture with so many abortions being performed, some of you may know someone or may have been a person um, whom abortion has affected. Jesus Christ says that there is forgiveness even in that. But if we, as the people of God, do not stand up for life and for the value of human life, who will? Next, I want us to notice Elizabeth's joy. She, like her son and her mother, or she, like the son in her in her womb, recognized the presence of Jesus in Mary's womb. Uh, again, verses 42 through 45, she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. Why is this, the, uh, why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? She knew this immediately without Mary having to tell her. For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Only the Holy Spirit could have uh, revealed this to, to Elizabeth. And it's important to notice that Elizabeth is not venerating or worshiping Mary. She calls Mary blessed, but Elizabeth is looking beyond Mary. And she's looking to the Messiah who is occupying Mary's womb. And what strikes me here is how different this reaction is uh, from many, how many would react if they were Elizabeth. Many um, would react and be so happy about their own good fortune. They'd only want to talk about their only their 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 own blessedness. <laughs> Elizabeth, after all, is the one who is showing in her pregnancy. Um, nobody knows anything about Mary's pregnancy except Mary, Joseph, now Elizabeth, and John the Baptist in 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 uh, Elizabeth's um, womb. Mary's the one who is well beyond childbearing age. In fact, the whole town, if you remember back to the very beginning of Luke chapter 1, the whole town's talking about her being pregnant. She kept herself in hiding for about five months, but this last month she's, she's been out and about and people in the town are obviously talking about her. Um, Elizabeth, in other words, is the news. But how does she react? She's humbled at the presence of her Lord. So she only speaks of, of, uh, of, of the Lord Jesus and His mother who has just walked into her home. That should be our response as well. We need to speak more about our Lord Jesus. We need to keep our eyes and our focus more on Him and less on us. And I think we'd also we'd then experience a lot more joy. And then thirdly, we see Mary's joy in verses forty six through fifty six. This is the Magnificant. But the funny thing here is Mary, even as she's speaking of her own blessedness, 
does not focus on herself. Uh, she too begins to rejoice in her Messiah who is in her tummy. And so Mary breaks into this extended song of praise, and it's quite a song. It, con- it contains some very mature theology. And it pulls together several quotes from all over the New Te- from all over the Old Testament. Scholars have recognized allusions to verses in Genesis, in Deuteronomy, in 1 Samuel, in 2 Samuel, in Job, in Psalms, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Micah, Habakkuk, and Zephaniah. Allusions from all these different places in the Scriptures. And therefore, the scholars try to conclude that Mary was obviously not sophisticated enough to compose such a song, especially off the cuff. Now, I do imagine that uh, Mary knew her Old Testament better than the scholars give her credit. But I also assume that the Holy Spirit is illuminating her mind just as He illuminated the mind of Elizabeth and the mind of John the Baptist. Um, Sorry, two thoughts converged all at the, the same time. And I thought about going away from my notes and going back a few paragraphs, but I'm going to resist. Uh, the song here that Mary sings, as I've already mentioned, is called the Magnificant. The word Magnificant is Latin for magnifies. It is taken from verse 46 where Mary says, My soul magnifies the Lord. There are two parts to Mary's Magnificant, and this is where we'll conclude this morning. The first part of this wonderful song that exalts Jesus is that God lifts up the humble. And so she thinks of how blessed, um, of how God blessed her by choosing her to be the one who would bear the Savior in her womb. And then the second part. Uh, of this song tells how God um, brings low, brings down, scatters those who are proud, those who lift themselves up. Mary here in this passage, as she says, she is blessed. She gives herself only one qualification. There was only one thing that made her a fit person to carry her Savior in her womb. You wonder what that one qualification is. What would it be that would qualify her? That one qualification is that she knows she is unqualified. She's humble. Look here in verse 48. For He has looked on the humble estate of His servant. The Bible says over and over and over again that God lifts up the humble. That He makes those who are nothing into something. That He chooses the foolish and the weak, the low and the despised, to shame the wise and the powerful. Remember back to Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 6, chapter 7, chapter 9. 
God told the, the Israelites over and over again, don't think that you were anything. Don't think that I chose you because you were anything. You were the fewest of all peoples. In fact, God says, you are a rebellious and stiff-necked people. Don't think that I chose you because you were better than anyone else. And yet, how did the Israelites respond? They became prideful. We are God's people. And I must say, I struggle daily thinking that I am something. And I have to constantly repent of that pride. As Christians, we focus on God on gifts that God has given us. We focus on our talents. We focus on our wisdom, our insights. We think that we are better than those around us. We look at our past acts of faithfulness or our effectiveness in this or that ministry and we allow ourselves to become puffed up. We even take note of our theology and we look down at our noses at those who are less enlightened. Let me tell you, there is no room for that in the Christian life. Look at Mary. Look at her in verse 48. For He has looked on the humble estate of His servant. Here's the danger. Look at verses 51 and 52. It says, He has shown strength with His arm. How has He shown strength with His arm? He has scattered the proud and the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He scatters the proud. He brings down those who have exalted thoughts about themselves. Pride is the most dangerous sin that you can harbor in your heart. God will bring the prideful down. I will say I am frustrated at our politicians right now. I am frustrated at every last one of them. They are lying to us. They are lying to each other about our nation's problems. And they are doing it to keep their exalted places. I can't figure out any other reason why they are acting as they are acting. They will have to stand before God one day and their exalted places that they are enjoying right now will be of little value to them. Every one of us will have to stand before God one day and answer for our pride. Second uh, Corinthians 5, verse 10 says, Every one of us will have to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and answer for every secret thought, whether good or evil. If we refuse to humble ourselves now, we will be humbled. I started this, the sermon this morning remarking how God's ways are above our ways and how He does things differently than we do. Uh, and this is what I had in mind. We try and get ahead by exalting ourselves, by pursuing our own agenda. And it seems reasonable. How are we going to get ahead 
if if we are never thinking about our own interest. You know, it just doesn't make sense. Other people are going to get ahead of us if we are not pushing ourselves forward. But God says the humble are shown mercy, that the proud receive justice. God brought His Son low when He brought Him into the world. He had Him come into the womb of a humble young woman. He was born into a humble stable, laid in a humble manger. His entire life was one of humility. I think it causes people to underestimate Him. But He's the Lord. He took up His life again in power. He is seated at the Father's right hand. He is ruling and He is reigning over all of history, over all the nations of the world, and over every one of our lives. Do not overestimate Him. Humble yourself before Him. And here's the good news. Here in verses, um, the last part of verses 52 through 55, He exalts those of humble estate. He filled the hungry with good things. Now the rich, He has sent away empty. He has helped His servant Israel in remembrance of His mercy as He spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to His offspring. How do you know He's going to be faithful? Because He came and died for sinners. He took up His life again in glory. He is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. All His promises to us are yes and amen in Jesus Christ. Humble yourself before the Lord. He will lift you up. Let's pray. Father, we are here in the midst of the season that our culture says is all about me, me, me. They couch it in terms of of giving to others in order that the um, Christmas sales bottom line will will look good. But uh, the real bottom line is it's all about me. God, I ask that You would help us to humble ourselves in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, knowing that He is the King, that He is the resurrected Lord, that He is the Lord over the nations, the Lord over our lives. Help us to keep our eyes fixed on Him. Help us to remember that He loves us so much. Help us to remember how, how easily given over our hearts are to exalting ourselves, to looking down on others, to think we are better than we really are. Father, we are simply humble servants. Fill us with Your Spirit. Lavish us with Your mercy. We ask in Jesus' name, Amen.